Welcome to Design Your Life with Sandy. I am your host, Sandy Yang. I am a human design expert, brain rewiring certified coach, and a high 7D energy healer. On this podcast, we talk about all things personal growth, brain rewiring, human design, energetics, mindset, and so much more. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at Sandy L. Yang. I hope you feel empowered by what we talked about today. Let's dive in. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. When this episode drops, it will be Leo season, which I am beyond excited about. Leo is all about opening up the heart and courageously stepping out of your comfort zone, whether that is trying a new activity, taking an empowered action, or showing up more authentically as yourself uh, in the workplace, in dating, or just in general. Well, this episode release is so divinely timed because my guest, Samantha Crow, and I talked all about overcoming fear and the inner critic when it comes to outdoor sports. This is a topic that I was not familiar with at all, but this is Sam's expertise. Sam is a mountain biking coach, backcountry splitboard guide, and health coach. Sam looks through the lens of outdoor sports to help women make big shifts in mindset, nutrition, and the way we approach our goals. Sam believes everything in our lives is connected and being in the mountains magnifies the gaps in our healing process and the shadows we try to ignore. We talk more extensively about what that means specifically and it is very interesting how a lot of how we train as an athlete overlaps with running a business or moving forward in your self-development journey. All of those involves addressing your inner critic, raising your self-worth, letting go of comparison, shifting beliefs you have about yourself. And I'll tell you what, since I moved to San Diego, um, I've been wanting to try surfing, but every time I think about the gear that I would need and the skills I would need to learn, I get overwhelmed. And I put it off month after month through talking to Sam. I realized that the reason I haven't taken steps towards surfing is because I didn't want to be a beginner. It sucks to feel like you don't know what you're doing and like all your friends who surf are already so good, so who am I gonna go with? Also, I already assumed that I'm just not an athletic person. I was already putting myself in a box, so I was already assuming the worst, like I'm not going to pick this up. This conversation with Sam really inspired me to get out of my comfort zone this summer and work towards giving surfing a go. The first step is probably getting really good at swimming. Um, We also talked about finding your community that uplifts you, whether you're a climber, surfer, mountain biker, etc. I really love this conversation with Sam. It's delightful and uplifting. You can connect with her on Instagram at samcrowcoaching. Without further ado, I will let you sit back and enjoy the episode. Um, welcome, Sam. You are a mountain biking coach. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I just, every time I like see your content or think of you, I just think of this uh, guy friend that I have. He's so into mountain biking and he's always like getting hurt or like, I don't know, his life is just centered around this. Um, as someone who lives in San Diego, like 
you know, bike, biking, surfing, climbing, that kind of thing are abundant. Um, and I haven't really explored that. So I have a ton of questions. Um, sure. Yeah, I think it will be a fun episode. So Sam, tell us who you are and what you do. Awesome. Thanks, Sandy. You should definitely try out mountain biking. I know it's intimidating to get into, but it is empowering. It's so much fun. Um, so my name is Samantha Crow. I am originally from Minnesota, but have lived in Utah for the past eight-ish years, going on nine here now. So this is where my love for mountain biking and split boarding really took off. So I was first a certified mountain bike coach and then a certified backcountry guide. And then when the pandemic hit, I got my health coaching certification and started incorporating mindset and nutrition work into my coaching. So okay. big transition. Is it though? I feel like, you know, holistic nutrition, health would kind of just go hand in hand with like athletic performance. Totally, totally. And it's so funny that you say that because it is obvious now to me, like, whoa, this is such a big piece of mountain biking and split boarding and backcountry skiing. And it's something that is kind of ignored within the industry. I would say like some people are starting to pick it up now, especially on the nutrition piece, but the mindset piece, I feel like is something that's kind of lagging behind and needs to be caught up with. Really? I would think that's like one of the main things, you know? Um, okay. So in your bio, uh, you mentioned um, you believe everything in our lives is connected and being in the mountains magnifies the gaps in our healing process mm -hmm. and the shadows we try to ignore. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that about? So honestly, you being a certified brain rewiring coach, I think mountain bikers and split boarders should go through that process too, because I've noticed a lot of overlap within the brain rewiring process and my mindset process that I take to the athletes. Um, but it is funny how the mountains do magnify these different parts of us. So when you're out climbing uphill, um, on skis or on bike, you have a lot of downtime inside your mind. It's like, it's slow, it's hard, it's just you and your breath and your heart rate. And that's when the inner critic really starts to come out, especially if you're with a group that's maybe a little bit more elevated than you. And so you start to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm worthy of being out here. I don't know if I am strong enough. I don't know if I'm fast enough. Maybe I won't go with this group of people because I just, I'm not ready. So you'll like overtrain yourself to try to get ready to be at that level of what other people are at. Um, but you're never really quite there. So I feel like when we're out pushing our bodies to this physical extreme, the, the shadows start to come out as well. So the, the pieces of us that are really insecure. So whether that be um, our inner critic, our comparison traps, our shadows, whatever they are, they get magnified when we like push our bodies to that limit. That makes a lot of sense um, from what I've heard from friends who are into activities like this. Um, like, yeah, my friend who does it a lot says, you know, there are friends he goes out biking with that he feels really comfortable. But then when he goes with certain friends, he feels really pressured and like, you know, there are certain things he's not comfortable doing, but with 
this group of friends, you feel bad if you don't do it. Um, and then you either get lucky or you get hurt. So um, also, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, you can't be scrolling Instagram, you can't be distracting yourself. It's just like you with your inner voice, whether that's positive or negative. And you kind of just have to keep going. So that definitely sounds like those activities build a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're so right. There's no distraction. It is just you and your thoughts. Um, and it's funny that you, your friend kind of went through a similar, I mean, I feel a lot of mountain bikers go through that similar process of there's some people that you go out with that really bring out the best in you. And there's some people that you go out with that you do feel a lot of pressure and angst around to perform at a certain level. And I think that's like one of the biggest things in life in general is finding your community, finding those people that really light you up and elevate you and get you excited and help you progress and become the truest version of yourself on the bike, off the bike. I, I think everything's connected. So if you're confident and empowered on your bike, you're going to take that into your everyday life too, right? There's no way you can disconnect the two. Um, but finding that community within mountain biking that really lifts you up can elevate your skills really quickly as well, or make you feel like you don't have the skills very quickly and take away your kind of power from that sport. Mm. So how do you personally find your people and how do you recommend people go about finding their community? Yeah, honestly, so there's a few different ways to go about it. I got really lucky in the sense of I had a core group of friends that I worked with in the service industry before I became a coach that were were also super stoked within mountain biking. And then I've met people through them and then I've met people on the trail. So the trail is my favorite place to meet people because you're already on the trail doing the thing you love and so are they. So you already know you have that common interest, right? So sparking up a conversation, hey, how's it going? This is so like, what a beautiful day. Um, What's your favorite trails out here? Um, and just getting to know them a little bit better. And then if you do, you can be like, Hey, you want to ride together on this trail? Awesome. It's always a little vulnerable and like kind of uncomfortable at first, but I find a lot of people are really open to it. As soon as you open the conversation and are the first one to be vulnerable. Right. Um, and then reaching out to people on Facebook groups is huge. There's Facebook groups for everything nowadays. It's insane. You can find Facebook groups for like kitten lovers in Utah, right? (laughs) So you can find a mountain bike group within your area pretty easily. Um, And then I find that oftentimes my clients are following people on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, they're just so cool. I want to be friends with them. Just reach out to them. The worst they can say is like, hey, I don't have the capacity for more right now. And that's okay. But I have had a few clients create some really great friendships just from social media. So there's that beautiful piece of social media that connects you with people that otherwise you wouldn't be connected with. So on the trail, Facebook groups, reaching out to that person on Instagram or going to community events that are hosted by um, different foundations. There's the like avalanche, um, avalanche centers that host events, mountain bike shops host events. So just connecting to your local community that way is a really good way as well. Mm. Okay. So um, do you grow up just being this uh, athletic person or like, was it not always the case? 
No, <laughs> I wish I could say that it was. I mean, I was always in soccer and I always, I was that kid that dappled in everything. I did swimming. I did tennis. I did golf. I did soccer. I did basketball. I like, I did all the things. Um, literally. Literally. But was I good at any of them? I don't like, I, I think that's a piece of me that's coming out now is like, I probably was good at all these things, but I was meant to kind of try out all these things to figure out what I really, really loved. Um, so I was always in athletic groups, um, but never quite found my niche until I found mountain biking and snowboarding. Mm -hmm. And then once I got into that, I was like, okay, I get it now. This like, I love this. I do this, not just because my parents want me to, not because this is what all the cool kids do. This is because I really want to do this. Um, and it is empowering to find something like that, where you move your body and feel powerful within your physical body that like transfers over into your emotional and like mental bodies as well. Yeah. Especially like as a business owner, you know, like you and I both know some people who are like really into climbing. Mm -hmm. um, to me, I'm like looking at it, be like, that would be a cool girl activity. So yeah. it's a little bit from ego, but I'm also like, that actually looks like it could help me uh, build more resilience uh, and confidence too. Um, I feel like feeling really comfortable about what you can physically do, like goes a really long way. Um, I have a question. Mm -hmm. uh, also, some of my audience has this question, you know, in like ballet or like dance or I don't know, mountain biking, um, all those activities, obviously, like our body image plays a role in what we perceive we can do um but then we also have like body types you know some people are just like maybe have are like more pear pear shaped um mm -hmm. or you know like uh, mountain biking from what I've heard is maybe easier for people who are like taller and slimmer just like lighter um so obviously there's like limitations when it comes to what we're just like kind of born with. Um, how do you find a balance between like, I can do this just through practice and also like being at peace with like, okay, this is like my body and maybe this is just not for me. Mm. There's a couple things in there. So I think one, we often put these sports into boxes with a face on the front and an image on the front of the perfect mountain biker is tall and slender, or it actually, there's a lot of smaller mountain bikers too, um, that are really good at downhill because they have that like more compact body style, you know, shape. Um, but we put them into boxes and then from that we get the outcome of what the sport should look like. So the, the tall slender guy or girl that's like, you know, has a lot of like, they're kind of like the string bean that can go forever. They're the endurance athlete. They're built for that. And then you have, um, like other sports like ballet, where obviously body image comes into a huge play into that, but putting it into a box, I think hurts the sport more than anything, because there are so many different styles of mountain making that I've seen with all kinds of different body types. Right. Um, 
I don't think there is a one size fits all with mountain biking. It's finding your style and what you really like. So some people are grinders. Some people are like, they're going up the mountain nice and slow. Some people are spinners. They're going really fast. They get their heart rate up. Their lungs, you know, are pumping. Um, but there isn't one style that's better than the other. So for me, mountain biking isn't just about how far can I go and how fast can I do that? It's about creativity for me. It's a big creative outlet, like looking at the trail differently. Even if I've ridden that trail before, I want to try something different on that trail and like see it in a different lens than I did before. So then it doesn't matter if you're a string bean or can go endurance, like to the wall, you don't have to go super far. You don't have to go super high. It's just what you want out of the sport. So just taking it out of the box and being like, okay, mountain biking, no box. What do I want out of this sport? What is empowering for me? What feels good for me out of this sport? Um, they, there has been some body image issues within mountain biking. And I think the industry is already taking that on head on. Um, I'll definitely share like a little video with you all because there's um, a spot for everybody within mountain biking. It is not for one body type at all. Mm. Okay. That is really empowering to know. Um, okay. I am curious because like as entrepreneurs, we have to get really good at managing fear, managing that inner critic. Um, so like, I kind of know this from like, you know, doing my day to day uh, and my personal life. But like when it comes to like skiing, you're like literally, you know, you're so high up. It is dangerous. I don't know. I don't do any of those things. But when I watch videos or hear it from a friend, like, I don't know, like, how do you move through that? Mm -hmm. Like, How do you coach your clients to man, uh, manage that fear? And like, how do you coach yourself when it comes to like doing those sports? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Inherently mountain biking and backcountry skiing come with a lot of risk and a lot of danger with it, right? You're, you're going to crash on your bike. You're going to crash on your skis. So being open to that, knowing that that's going to happen, but trying to manage that in a way that is you know, that feels good for you still, that feels worth it still is the way to like start. But for managing fears on the trail is where we start. And then if we need to take this management back to like journaling at home, we can go there for sure. But first it's managing those fears on the trail and creating awareness around those fears. So oftentimes when we're on our bikes going uphill or on the skis going uphill and we don't have that distractions, the distractions, there's this like audio tape going in our head over and over. That's like repetitive. We don't even know it's actually running or that it has been running for like the last five rides. It's just, we get so used to thinking these thoughts. Oh, I'm so slow. Oh, I'm so, this is so hard. This is so hard. So the first step is creating awareness around that. I mean, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I hear the audio tape coming back on. I hear the inner critic. The inner critic is here right now, creating that awareness and that separation from you is step one. And then from there, it is tapping back into your body with breath, with mantras. So those are my two favorite because it's something that's super easy to do on the trail. You can very easily 
like you say all the time, elongating your exhales, doing an exhale um, oriented breathing exercise. So just taking longer exhales on the trail helps just calm that nervous system back down and makes you more aware of those thoughts that are coming back into your head. And then the mantra is something that has helped me within my practice a lot. And so it, my inner critic came up a lot within my split boarding. I didn't feel fast enough. I didn't feel strong enough. I didn't feel like I was progressing at all. So my mantra became, became, I'm strong. I'm confident. I'm brave. And those three things were the opposite of what my inner critic was saying. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you hear what your inner critic is saying, try to reverse that in some capacity in. So mine, like it took me probably like two to three months to make this an automatic response that every time the inner critic came up, that that mantra took its place instead, but I was consistent with it. I was like, okay, I really don't want to have these thoughts anymore. They're taking the joy away from the thing that I love the most. So every time those thoughts came in and when I became aware of them, I would replace it with that mantra for as long as I needed to. And as many times as I needed to on that ride, and then also tapped into my breathing. And then from there, you can take that back home and be like, okay, so this, this feeling of not being worthy of being out there with these people, where is this coming from? Where have I felt this before? Um, is it attached to a previous experience? Is it attached to a, a truth, a truth in quotations that I've been telling myself for so long and going deeper into that? So I start with the on-trail things and then we take it deeper. Mm. Yeah, uh, I really like what you said when you get clear, like, oh, my way of thinking, my inner critic is actually taking joy away from this activity that I really love. That's like creating urgency and like this deep desire to like make the change. Mm -hmm. um, I would think, well, for me, when you were talking about all of that, I was like, oh, I don't try those outdoor activities because I have this very uh, vivid memory of like me being in high school and me and my classmates, it was like a school hike. It was overnight, we camped and I was dying. Like yeah. early on, I was like, wow, this is not going to be easy for me. And I was like one of the last people just like in the back <laughs> struggling. And you decide right then and there that it's not for you after one experience, right? And it's it, that, that limiting belief of like, whoa, this is going to be hard for me. This isn't for me. Can like, even when you go and try out mountain biking or climbing, you might take that belief with you. So creating awareness around like, oh, I already have this like story in my head of what I've experienced before outside mm. um, and being aware that that might pop up. So if it does, you're better equipped to there then handle it because you know where it's coming from and you can stop and be like, this is no longer my truth. I'm deciding a different truth for myself. Yeah, definitely. And I would say like one thing that's holding me back um, from trying those new activities is age. I'm like, am I too old for <laughs> all of this? Because I feel like, I don't know. I was never like, people look at me and be like, okay, yeah, she works out for her health. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like the Pilates doing girl at a studio. <laughs> Um, but I was never acknowledged or recognized as like the athletic type. I was never like on the sports teams. Um, so that definitely is something to think about. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. let's talk about the age thing. What's up with that? What do you think? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, we kind of live in a little bit of a pink bubble up here. So meaning everything's rosy and good because there's all ages on the trail. You'll see um, kids on like three-year-olds, two-year-olds on these little e-bikes following their parents around, right? And then you have people well into their 60s and maybe even 70s. I'm not a really good, when I see people, I can't guess their age. I'm not good at that at all. But <laughs> there's people that are like much older than me out there biking. So I think this mountain biking and backcountry maybe not backcountry skiing for younger. Um, I see a lot of parents taking their kids out and that's like, but there's not as many kids backcountry skiing as there is mountain biking just because of that inherent risk of avalanches within Mm. backcountry skiing. It's much dangerous, much more dangerous. Um, But mountain biking specifically, I think is open to so many different age ranges because there are so many different types of trails out there. Oftentimes when we think of mountain biking, it's in that box again. And we think of like the gnarliest mountain bike trail with like all the rocks and the drops and the mandatory gaps and all these like crazy things. But there's, there's so much more out there. There's trails that are like fun, flowy, easy trails that don't require any wheels getting off the ground. You can stay grounded the whole time. Um, So I think it's a very like opening, like welcoming sport for all different age ranges, honestly. Okay. The friend I keep thinking about, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but he's a Virgo. And uh, I think he's just like very critical of himself and therefore Mm. of other people. Um, That's why maybe that gave me that Mm -hmm. impression. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And like following up on that, um, I think with making progress in anything, uh, especially sports, there is something to be said about approaching it with like lightness and curiosity and ease, not like Mm -hmm. easy, like it's not easy, but just like not hyper focusing on, oh, am I going to like make this goal or have like a PR, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like the more you focus, like there's something to be said about like having strong focus, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know when I, was first getting into bar fitness, uh, like B A R R E, spend like Pilates. Like I would go five days a week, every single week. And then when I took two weeks off, I thought I'll go back and I'll be like weak and I'll get tired. But actually, I was doing better. Like all those moves mm-hmm. I couldn't do before, all of a sudden it just clicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that like the case with um, like mountain biking and like skiing? I think there is something to be said for taking breaks from things, especially when there's a lot of pressure, whether that be from yourself or other people, when you take a break and create like that absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Like you see everything in rose colored tint when you're looking back on things, including ex relationships, and all that, but there's something to be said for taking a break from these sports and giving yourself the breathing space to be like, okay, go do something else, go try out something else because we can get so hyper-focused on one thing and like progressing at that one thing that we're actually hindering our progression by being so meticulous and picky about it. So I, I encourage my clients to take a break when they're starting to feel burnt out, even though we're working towards a goal, I'm like, okay, two weeks, whatever they get to decide the time frame Cause I don't know their bodies. 
they decide the time frame of like how long they want to take off, or maybe they just do it intuitively. Like they don't know right out of the gates how long they need to take off, but they're like, okay, you know, sometimes it's only a couple of days, a week, two weeks. Sometimes it's a month that you need to like, just let it go and let it be and breathe from it for a while to come back with that fire. I Mm. love taking breaks from these sports. That's why I need the seasonality of it too. I could not live in a place that was winter all year long. And I could not live in a place that was summer all year long. As soon as ski season comes up, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I can I swear on here? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, fuck. Yeah, here we go. I'm so ready to get back on my board. And then when summer comes around and mountain biking starts up, I'm like, hell yeah, here we go. Bike season. So we need that balance of rest too. We all know that rest is actually where you become stronger. Yeah. And like from a neuroscience perspective, when we're learning new things is actually a lot for your, uh, a lot of work for your brain, like just like restructuring some of your <laughs> pathways, you're going to find yourself needing more food, hungrier, you're going to like be more sleepy because your brain is working hard. Mm-hmm. And it's really like when you're resting that it gets to like make the new connections. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay. Got it. Um, there was like this one other thing I was curious about. <laughs> okay, you mentioned knowing your bodies uh, and like intuitive nutrition. I also think that's so important mm. because nobody knows your body more than you do. Mm-mm. Yeah. And um, how were you always in touch with your body and what you intuitively need? I think, you know, we're born with it. Yeah. We, it's always coming back to it, but no, I lost connection with my body as a teenager, as a teenager, when I'm trying to like, you know, get into that mold that is seen as the prettiest, the most popular. Um, I mean, I went on a cabbage soup diet as a teenager. What? What is that? (laughs) Oh man. There. Yeah. Um, just it's a diet where you only eat cabbage soup. It is unfortunately that was something that like my mom did. So I did it. Oh, Slim fast diet. You know, like we we learn a lot of things from our mothers when it comes to like body and like nourishment and taking care of ourselves. And that was something that I did learn was like you have to diet to like fit in the mold that everybody, every woman should fit into. So I lost connection with my body at a very young age. And I honestly didn't gain that back until maybe five years ago. And it's been a slow process of like getting back in touch with my body because there are so many things that I need to unravel. And we are so conditioned to look outside of ourselves for what we need nutritionally. Like, oh, what's, what's the latest diet? Like, should I go vegan? Should I go vegetarian? Should I go keto and all those diets? Yeah. They have a time and a place and they work really great for some people, but they're not a one size fits all. Right. Mm, yeah. So trying to figure out what works really well with your body. So there's a process that I go through with all my clients. I created a food and mood journal, which basically is a tracking system that isn't encouraged for people who, um, do have that sensitivity to tracking. So there's some people that over-tracked and were overly conscious and counting calories. So I don't do that with them, but for the people that are okay with tracking for a short period of time, 
just to see how these foods are affecting our body, our minds, our energy levels. Um, and then also tying that in with the menstrual cycle, with our meditation and self-care each day, because everything affects everything. Um, and the only way we're going to figure out at first, when we're so out of touch with our body, is to first start tracking and be like, okay. And then seeing that visual confirmation, oh my gosh, I felt really good. I had a lot of energy this day. What did I eat the previous 48 hours? Or even further back than that, but we'll start with the 48 hours to not overcomplicate things, right? And continuing on with that and like noticing and creating awareness around those, those times that we do feel really good and those times that we don't feel good and creating the connections between that and our food choices. That is so important. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And it's so funny that like, it's something that we lose so quickly at such a young age, but is so important to like reconnect with. Yeah. It's like you have to unlearn and like relearn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um. Okay. So, like, from what I've seen, athletes do like people who are really into the outdoors. It looks completely different from like what I know for myself as like someone who works from home a lot, who is pretty indoors. Um. So, what are some of the rules? Not rules, but like general recommendations that you feel like everybody should know when it comes to, you know, fueling for your performance outdoors. Mm -hmm. So hydration is key, especially, I mean, I live in such a hot, dry area here in like Utah. Um, Hydration electrolytes are one of the biggest components because if we don't have like proper hydration electrolytes, you can get into some really big sticky situations. I've seen so many people dehydrated on the trail. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's scary. dangerous. It's super dangerous. And like, I've gone through my wilderness first responder certification course and the stories that you hear through that even are insane. So just making sure that you have proper hydration with you always take more. Uh, like if you're like, should I take more? Yes. The answer is always yes. If you're wondering. Um, and then for fueling, that's a little bit trickier because everybody's bodies are a little bit different. So some people are more fat adapt and some people are need more carbs. Um, carb rich snacks on the trail are my favorite go-tos and just like trickling that in, not eating one big snack on the trail, but like constantly taking maybe like a bite of my bar or gummies, um, or like whatever weird homemade snack I have with me that day. Um, but just making sure that every, like maybe half hour, 45, minutes, depending on how strenuous the day is taking in a little bit of something. Cause when you eat it all at once, like, this is what people often are like, I can't eat on the trail. It just makes me feel bloated and icky. It's like, you're probably eating too much or the wrong things on the trail. So just like creating that slow trickle and finding what works really well for your body. The food and mood journal helps for that too, because yeah, sometimes people don't understand that they need a little bit more carbs, that that fiber dense snack that they've been eating on the trail actually was hindering their like their energy levels and their gut and digestion god I don't want to be eating high fiber on the trail (laughs) I am curious do you have anything you're like really wanting to stress to the audience something you feel very enthusiastic about that you want everyone to know yeah I think everybody like 
it, you don't have to necessarily get outside, but if you're able to get outside and move your body, that's like two of the primal needs as a human being. So if you're feeling intimidated by starting a sport, allow yourself to feel that, but go for it anyways, just try things, just try things for the first time, like be a beginner at something again, because we get so comfortable with our day-to-day -day life of, you know, I mean, myself included, I'm really comfortable with mountain biking. I, I really want to dance. I would love oh, to what go kind to of dance. dance. I don't know. Hip hop has always like kind of drawn me in. Uh -huh. I always want to be like, I don't know. It just, it looks so cool. I hip hop dancers are rad. Um, but being a beginner at something is so scary. Right. And having to start off and be quote unquote bad at something. Um, and then have to progress is so scary. But if you can get outside and move your body, connect with nature, connect with your body, you're going to be so much more of a happy, healthy, just more well-rounded human being. So I encourage anybody who's interested in getting out and mountain biking, hiking, walking, running, you know, backcountry skiing outside, anything to go out and do that. Try that do it for the first time, be a beginner, get, get out of your comfort zone. and be. All right. I really fun. needed that because, um, there are a lot of surfers in San Diego. And, um, <laughs> since I've been living here, every time I see them, like, I feel like that's so cool. Um, yeah. but like, you know, surfboards are big and expensive. You need mm -hmm. your, something to hold, hold it with your car. And I'm like, <laughs> I've been swimming years like I need to swim first so I've just been like putting it off you know not mm -hmm. priority and you don't prioritize it and it just never happens and I would love to go snowboarding but again gear like you know all my friends already know how to do it like where do I begin mm -hmm. um so definitely uh I'm a big fan of empowered action and trying something new it definitely mm -hmm. builds a lot of confidence um so I, I really appreciate what you just said Heck yeah. Awesome. I hope you go out and try surfing. <laughs> All right. This summer. Um, okay. I would love to uh, ask you more like personal questions so people can get to know you a little better. So um, I'm sure routines and rituals are really big for you and how you take care of yourself as an athlete. So tell us, how do you start your day? I know every day is probably different, but just like typically, how does your morning routine look like? Dude, that has evolved so much. And I feel like every morning requires a little bit something different out of my routine. But the things that always stay the same um, is I wake up, I wash my face, I put I have like Coke bottle glasses. So I like put my contacts in, I get dressed and I just sit for a while and drink water. Cause honestly, it does take me a little bit longer than the average person, I think, to like be a functioning human being. Um, but so drinking water and then I'll eat breakfast, cook like something with protein, carbs, and fat. If I have like a really carb heavy breakfast, I'm going to be hungry within like 15 minutes. So making sure I have that well-balanced breakfast and then drinking my coffee. Dude, I had so much anxiety in the morning from drinking coffee on an empty stomach. I was like, that's not the coffee. I handle coffee just fine. No. I need to eat before I drink my coffee. And then I go for a walk with my dog because she's probably bugging me by that time. And then I come back, meditate, journal, and get on with my day. Mm, love that. 
Uh, tell us what is something you are very into right now. Like this can be an activity, a product, a book, a topic of discussion. Um, just like something you're like obsessing over right now, if there is one. It may be because I'm like talking with you, and it's something that I went to a workshop on maybe two months ago. But human design, honestly, since figuring out my human design chart, I've been like. And you're like, you feel so seen and validated. You're like, I get it now. Like, I'm also a projector in human design like you. And so being able to honor that piece of me that is really efficient and doesn't need a lot of time, but like, and, but needs a lot of rest as well, just is so, I don't know. It just makes me like, feel like, okay, this is me. And I do get a lot of shit done within a short period of time. If I let myself rest. Yes, I love that so much. Um, <laughs> tell us how, since learning more about your human design has changed your like routine with like, you know, the biking, the skiing, all the things with work. Mm. I think it's, I think it's taken like guilt away from going out and doing those things a little bit. Cause like, I felt like I should be working instead of going on this like long bike ride or big adventure out in the mountains and I was like oh, I should be working but I needed that time like that that time in the mountains is very restorative for me and my body and my design require it requires I mean proper rest too that doesn't incorporate you know moving my body out in the mountains but having that like hey you need to like take time for yourself allowed me to go into the mountains and feel like fuck yeah I'm fully present here right now and I'll be fully present in my work later. Yeah. Um, and like, this has taken me years and uh, before I was like, okay, maybe I don't have to work out six days a week <laughs> and still feel fit and healthy mm -hmm. and see results. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one to swallow the projector energy thing. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously you are very athletic. Um, some people be like, oh, I'm a projector. I don't have energy. And you're just like the living, like breathing example of like, that is not true. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, it's funny. Like, I think there's the perception that like on Instagram, you're always doing something, right? You're always like, go, go, go. But I do need a lot of rest. I have a husband that's a generator and it's very clear that I need way more rest than him. He is the most frustrating and lovely person. Tell us how that's like uh, being a projector, but living with a generator. Man, it, it put a lot of pressure on me for a really long time until like, honestly, I got the validation from my human design chart or just even from like getting more in touch with my body. And like when I started getting into intuitive nutrition and mindset work, I was like, whoa, maybe I should just kind of lay off the gas a little bit. But there is this comparison factor that like happens within your relationship, especially when you're living with a person that's the energizer bunny that can go out and do all these things every single day of the week. I mean, he chainsaws uh, during his like job, job, like he's <laughs> working at a resort right now, chainsawing down ski runs. And then he comes back and he goes mountain biking, like 3K plus feet a day. I'm like, dude, you are insane. And if I were to compare myself to him, like I was in the past, now I would be miserable and never feeling like I'm 
doing enough, right? So being able to honor my different energy being has been super just like, it's just like a warm hug. I'm like, you're, you're good too. You've got superpowers too. It may not be the energizer bunny power that, you know, society pats on the back for always go, go, going, but you've got superpowers too. Yeah, totally. Um, It just validates like what we've always suspected about ourselves. Like when I was working in corporate, I was like, why do we have to work like 60 hours a week? Like, is this doing us any good? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I did that for years. And I mean, it led to, I mean, me having digestion issues, skin issues, like all the things. So like what you do as a coach sounds super fascinating. Can people work with you in person? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it just in person or can it be virtual? Uh, how do you work with people? Yeah, um, both is the answer. So I mountain bike coach in person and I backcountry guide in person and do like if you're new to backcountry skiing and flipboarding, I help mentor you through that process as well. Um And then the mindset component of it is virtual. So I have clients in Idaho, in New Hampshire, in Washington right now. So I can do virtual package options, especially for mindset. And it's actually surprising how many skills we can incorporate into these virtual sessions as well. Like just showing you different body positions. That sounds a little dirty. (laughs) (laughs) But there are body positions on the bike. Yeah, (laughs) that I can show you virtually. Oh, that's so funny. Um, And map skills and just helping you find different trails in your area and all kinds of different stuff. So there's a lot we can do virtually. And then I am in the process of creating a program that is self-paced and completely virtual for the beginner mountain biker. So this is going to have the nine fundamental skills in it. It's going to have eight different modules, all on mindset, goal setting. There's going to be a a module just to start you off and get you set up for success, the onboarding. So there's a lot of good coming out this month that I'm really, really excited about. Excited to launch very shortly here. Does sound exciting. And don't you just love the Zoom live? You get to work with people all (laughs) over. Um, It is. Yeah. It's so cool. It's awesome. Um, how can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at, at Sam Crow coaching. My website is samcrowcoaching.com and you can email me at, of course, samcrowcoaching at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Like across the board. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll link everything in the show notes and thank you for coming on. This has been refreshing, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sandy, for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you again to Sam for coming on the podcast. I so appreciate guests that I can just vibe well with. It is so fun to have those conversations. If you found value in this podcast or you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you let us know. Your feedback is so valuable. You can connect with Sam at Sam Crow Coaching on Instagram. And again, happy Leo season. Happy Friday. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I will talk to you soon.